0: Hey, look, we back with a whole nother episode of On The Porch, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, hey man. Asia boy underscore
1: BJ Real, man. We back here with another episode I of On The Porch, up, right?
0: man. Man, look, we're here with another special guest, guys. You know we only get better and better, and we got to bring it to you from all aspects. I need you all to know that I got somebody special for you. We got attorney Andre Smith in the building today, guys. Right? He is an attorney in personal injury as well as criminal. People want somebody that that they can, that understands them. Think about it, look at
2: me. I'm 6'3", black, I got locks, I got beard. When a lot of people look at me, they don't think lawyer, they think something else. Representation matters. Mm. And so representation matters, whether it is on the bench, whether it's in the prosecutor realm, whether it's in the defense attorney realm. Most people, I've learned that most people want the representation that they can feel comfortable with I went into criminal and i felt like my voice i felt like my presence and i felt like my work ethic could get a lot done in the criminal field there's a lot of things that being a lawyer that you can't be taught in school you have to actually learn it through doing it and some people the pressure is too much to walk into a courtroom and do the things that i myself and a lot of other lawyers do every day everybody has a constitutional right to a trial in a criminal case. What I don't like is that judges say you have that constitutional right, you exercise that right, and if you lose that trial, I'm going to punish you because you didn't take a plea. I've handled many personal injury cases throughout the state of Georgia and throughout the state of Florida. Oftentimes, when people get in an accident, they do not know what to do. The first thing you should do is call 911. The second thing you should do is call our office. Our Georgia office, we can be reached at 770 615 8853. Our Florida office, we can be reached at 407 758 6130. Hire us, we'll fight
0: for you. I'm, I'm calling the police.
1: I'm sitting there waiting on them.
0: You know this. You know what? Hey, look, we back with a whole another episode of On the Porch, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. If you're on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you are, if you are on YouTube, go to other platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever that is. Leave us five stars, say something nice, so we continue just moving up those charts. Follow us on Instagram at underscore on the porch and more importantly go ahead and join the community look this community is growing and it's going to keep growing so don't wait before it's too late i'm over here rapping y'all see that <laughs> now i see it hey make sure y'all go ahead and join no for real because i mean we gonna have our our guests come on talk to y'all in the community you guys gonna be able to have live conversations with me and bj we have quarterly meetups we're just going to be able to build something that you can't miss out on so go ahead and make sure you join and follow me on instagram at underscore mr. Said bj
1: Amen. 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 Asia boy underscore BJ Real Man. We back here with another episode of On the Porch, man. Most importantly, guys, y'all gonna make sure y'all keep liking, comment, and subscribing. Y'all could we're easy to find, guys. Y'all can find us at underscore on the porch. But like I said, guys, we're going bigger and better every time. We're going guess for guess for guest. And we're here today with another special special guest
0: guys man look we're here with another special guest guys you know we only get better and better and we got to bring it to you from all aspects right so we want to make sure that you guys understand some of y'all might be in school for something y'all might be like man i, I don't want to go to school to be in, you know to do this and do that and i tell people there's a couple of things that you should stay in school for because not many of them make sense to me right so you know you got if you're gonna be a doctor or you're gonna be a lawyer like, either one of those, you're good. That was your two right That's now. my two. If it's anything else, bro, just think about it. Just think about it before you do it, right? School for business. <laughs> just go ahead and drop out. <laughs> Come learn from me. i teach you business. But either way, you know, you can still go to school, go to college, and have a business. A lot of people don't be thinking about that. So I need you all to know that I got somebody special for you. We got attorney Andre Smith in the building today, guys. Right. He, he is an attorney in personal injury as well as criminal law. So he's I've, I've heard his story. He told me about what he went through. This is not like some some story where he just came up with, you know, a spoon fed. No, he had to grind to get here. So it was only right for us to get him on because I feel like this is extremely important for people to understand. Like, go, you go, you could go to school, you could do all that stuff. But ultimately, it's still a grind to be able to build something of your own. Not only that. I also heard he never even worked for nobody else in the field, which is crazy. Andre, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let us know what you do, and let's get into it. What's going on, everybody?
2: It's attorney Andre Smith. I practice criminal defense and personal injury in Georgia, as well as Florida. So if you want to reach out to me, 770-615-8853 or 477-586-130. All right. Be here.
0: Man, I'm happy to uh, have He
1: him. came through dressed clean, <laughs> fit. Looked like he just oh, yeah, you know, hopped out it, a, little, a little case or something. Let's, look let's, like let's,
0: he let's, just let's, beat a case, <laughs> right?
1: You got faith.
0: Let's do it. So, look, listen. So, let's go, honey, hop into it. What made you want to be a lawyer? Like, what? <laughs>
2: like, man, it's, it's been a crazy story. So, I had the first vision in third grade. This was around 1994. My aunt, she died. Okay. But before she died, the day she died, she uh, told everybody what she wanted to wear, what everybody should wear at her funeral, that she wear purple. She wanted a casket to be purple. She wanted to have purple and all that. It was our family reunion at the time and so in Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. So we get to the first night of family reunion. She said she wouldn't feel it well. She goes outside. I sit next to her. She said, look, you're gonna be a lawyer because you talk too much, all right? <laughs> But I want you to follow through with it, all right? I said, yes, ma'am. Mm. And at that point, I was like, I'm third grade. Okay, whatever. We were leaving. I get in the car first. She gets in the car second. Right before her spouse got in the car, she fell in my lap and pretty much was dead in my lap. Whoa. So they got her out the car, formed CPR, and went to the hospital. But you know, it, it was too late. And I remember the cries. I remember my grandma face, my granddaddy face. It was crazy. But I took that and I just ran with it. And at the same time, the OJ Simpson trial was going on. Mm. So I saw that every day. And I just took that and ran with it and said, look, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to be, and nothing's gonna stop me. And that's that's what you know made me say, look, this I want to be a lawyer. So
1: if you don't mind me asking, what what did she have like a condition or a type of disease or anything?
2: Uh, she was uh she had some ailments that I didn't know about. Um, mm-hmm. and ultimately, uh, you know, she just fell ill. Um, she knew something that we didn't know. Yeah. Ultimately, because what she was explaining was basically an obituary while she was living. And when when it happened, of course, I'm in the third grade, so I have no idea right. what was going on. Yeah. But what I do know is she had some ailments and. And she just dropped, it and that was that. But I I remember her specifically telling me, you're going to be a lawyer. I'm in the third grade, and I'm like, I don't know how to be a lawyer, but I guess I'm going to take it and run with it and figure it out along the way, and that's what I did.
0: Well, I guess. I'm I'm pretty sure you had some lawyers in your family, huh? No. But then for her to say that. I'm the first lawyer ever in my family. Isn't, isn't you also, That's crazy, because usually, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, my mom was a lawyer, my dad was a lawyer, something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, how was it growing up then, since you— you the first one. Did you did you struggle or was it cool? Or how was it growing up?
2: Um, growing up was pretty rough. I grew up in a single-parent home. It was my older brother on the middle, then my baby sister. We started off at my grandmother's house in Lincoln Park. My mom had just recently got divorced, and my dad left. So at that time, my dad wasn't in the picture at all. We moved to an apartment complex called Reno Court. And at the time, this was in the early 90s, so Merino Court was, like, it was bad. Mm. Uh, it was gang-infested, drug-infested, shootouts all the time. It was bad. So we moved to Marino Court. We in a two-bedroom. It's three children, my mama. She's struggling, trying to make ends meet, trying to make things happen. And we just out having a good time and playing around, you know, going to school. And didn't realize what my mom was actually going through to try to put food on the table. So, fast forward through elementary school, we were in Marino Court for about five or six years. Then my mom had applied for a Habitat house. Well, she had been in a two-bedroom all these years and was asking for a three-bedroom. And they finally put it in the three-bedroom. at the six years? When they knew she was trying to get a house.
0: Oh, that's crazy.
2: So... Every weekend, what we would do is I would go with my mother to do community service to try to get the hours to get the, the Habitat House, mm. which is what we end up eventually end up getting. And we moved out of that neighborhood and said, like, okay, we got a house. Yet, we moved into another bad neighborhood uh, <laughs> that was just as worse as where we came from. And so, the struggle was, was you know, you got me. I was a straight-A student. I was gifted. I was winning Spelling Bee's i was I knew I was smart, but that wasn't glorified in the hood, right no, nah. no, in the hood, they don't glorify education, so you know for me, I saw the prostitutes, the drug dealers, the crack houses, the dog fights, you know the drug sales, I saw it all, and so I just said either you're gonna be a part of it or you're gonna use that to get out of it and so, as I matriculated through school, middle school, high school, all that, I just used it as a stepping stone along with being in a single parent house to say. I am going to elevate myself so I won't end up back here ever again. That, that's how it that's, was that, growing I
0: was, up. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, like, so how how was it? How did you overcome? Because, you know, most people say you're a product, or product of your environment, but you're really not that. So, of course, you're saying I just use it as a stepping stone. But, like, what what was those things that was like, you know what? I'm going to stand this because you could have easily went off, right? Yeah, you I see was your mama like... struggling. You could have been like mo- what most people do when they say their mama struggling and they in the hood. <laughs> bro, I'm finna go get me some money, bro.
1: Right, not nah, because it had to be like, was it? Was there gangs involved in like the places you stayed? <laughs> yeah, he or, said like, gangs. I heard, it, I heard in Florida, it's like really like streets and like areas and stuff. So like, was it like that involved? Did you like ever feel enticed to get in those type of things?
2: So it wasn't necessarily like bloods crips Pyru, like yeah it was like you live on this side of town yeah I heard it's like, uh, and heard then it's the area. on that side of town you got specific neighborhoods yeah. and then on one side of town you got specific parts of that town that even in that same part of town two neighboring neighborhoods don't like each other yeah. and so what what really what it was was that when you leave you can't help where your mama live right <laughs> so when you leave that neighborhood and go somewhere else they say where you from you say where you're from, and it's like they don't even know you. They got an attitude with you, but as far as overcoming it, I think uh, there's a program that a lot of parents, if they can get their children involved, single mothers, single fathers, it's called Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. I got involved. My mom got me involved in the third grade. So there was a guy named Wallace Moore. He's like a real life superhero. He came in and he took me away every weekend. We would go to a lot. He was in the navy. Take me to the base, We we'll go to the library, go over my homework. We we'll do this every weekend. buy me food. It, it took me away from the hood and started showing me things that didn't look like the hood. Uh, that looked nice condos on the beach, nice houses, stuff like that. So then when you start seeing that kind of stuff, you say, look, I don't, that, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be where I'm at now. And so what he did was he did that for three years. Of course, we lost contact with each other, made contact again in like 2000, lost contact again. This is a good story. So I'm in college about to graduate. My phone's off. I'm, I look in the yellow pages and I just pick his name out. I didn't know that was him. Made a phone call, left a voicemail. I said, hey, I'm graduating from college. I know you hadn't seen me since, you know, elementary school, but if you could come, thank you. I go to my graduation. I see my mom, no problem. I look up, I said, man, who's that light-skinned dude next to her? I know she ain't got no man now. You know, and, uh, <laughs> Bring it to my graduation. You got me mixed up. <laughs> and uh, it was him. And I said, whoa. So he's a pilot for American Airlines. Mm. He flew from Dallas to Jacksonville, drove down to Daytona to see me graduate from college. And that man right there is really like the spearhead for me Using all of this as a catalyst To get out along with obviously Being in a single parent home and all that It was really him, And he he is just a blessing And to yeah. this day um, He's still in my life, so great guy,
0: love him man. that That's crazy, so the importance Most people don't understand the importance of having a man Or a male figure in your life Right, so I know you said That that obviously helped you, but how did that Help you, Do you how did that help you help others Now, like are you able to help people Because you understand that It was that one man That was not even his responsibility necessarily to be able to take you and put you in another environment
2: well i would say that he was just one of many Mm -hmm. but he had he played a big role see what how i looked at it growing up was i pieced together a lot of men into one like Mm. action figure almost that's crazy i would say this guy right here i see him working really hard This guy right here, I see him invested. This guy right here, I see how he take care of his family. This guy right here, I see how he he dresses. This guy right here, I see how he talks, how he walks, the cologne he wears. And I just put all these people together and said, I'm going to try to be something close to that right there, putting all these things in a pot and mixing it up and say, look, this is what I want to be. But when you take a situation like like him and then you take all the rest of them, what you do is – you look at situation you were in. So, for example, when people come to try to hire me, there's, especially on criminal cases, most people are on a payment plan. Because I, I, it wasn't every day that I had money just sitting around saying, okay, I can hire a lawyer, right? I came out of Waffle House. I worked at Waffle House for 12 years before I became a lawyer. 12 from, years? 12 years. From we're going to get into that in a minute. From the age of 17 to the age of 29. I worked at Waffle House. So I understand that people work hard. There's a recession and it's not a lot to go around to hire lawyers. But when people need lawyers, I try to be accommodating by saying I know where I was one time in life. I know how it is, and so I'm not going to be like some other people who say, I want all my money right now, right now only. No, I work with people to help them out because I know they need a good lawyer, the services, and they need some guidance through what they're trying to do. So, of course, every day I think about people's situation and think about what I got through and try to formulate that to say how can I help them get through what's going on if they're going to hire me.
1: Okay, so so we know you didn't come from the um, best situation and – somebody that passed away basically destined that you were going to be an attorney or a lawyer. So how was that role for you getting to college? Cause it's like growing up in like certain cir- circumstances and stuff. It's like college is like, if you don't play sports, you're not going to college. So how was that for you? Like growing up?
2: <laughs> I mean, you, you're right.
0: I'm, I'm, a t- I'm, I'm telling you, right. You know,
2: I, I play, I play, <laughs> I play sports in high school. Uh I wasn't a great athlete. You know, when I came through, guys wouldn't playing point guard at six seven, six eight. Mm. Uh, most guys were five ten or below playing point guard or shooting yeah. guard. Uh um, I was six foot, six one, six two, so I played center. Oh, yeah, and when center. I I met yeah. my first center who was bigger than me was DeMarcus Cousins. And I said, that guy That's needs us. to be a center. That's him. That's <laughs> him. because yeah, yeah. in high
1: school and stuff, you could be like six three, six four, and you center, but it's like you're really a point guard you, in the league. There you go.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so sports was out of the question. So I'll tell you exactly what happened. There was a situation that occurred. In November of 2004, it was a big fight that happened. I was involved. And after the fight, I said, look, I told the people I was hanging with, look, I, 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 can't, I can't be around this anymore, right? So I got accepted to college two months later. but Bethune Cookman University. I was going to go to FAMU, but everybody from my hometown was going to Tallahassee, so I said, I'm going to Daytona where I don't know anybody. Mm. So... Mm. So what happened was, was, when I got the job, I had I was working at Wild Files at the time. My grandfather, who is a huge piece in how I became a lawyer, he said, continue to work, grind, save your money. I had a, a good piece of money saved up going to college. The problem was, was that I had nothing to supplement that. So I mm-hmm. had to get financial aid. I took out student loans. Yeah, they had grants and all that, but I went to a quote unquote. I went to a private school. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. funded by the state. So the, the tuition was way higher. Yeah. So my money was gone within the first semester. But the hustler that I am, as soon as I stepped on campus, there was a checker's right across the street. I got a job at the checkers. The same day I got there, the next day I was working. So you know at the end of the day my thing was was that okay I don't have the money but I got the I got the smarts I got the brains. Let me use the aid that I got plus the money I got to try to get me through but and sports was irrelevant. Now I play intramurals but that didn't get you a scholarship. So you know, that, that <laughs> he didn't was get just you a scholarship. He was just bored. But, but my grandfather, you know, it, you know, he died in 2014, but, you know, I'm really glad to see him. I'm really glad that he was able to see me graduate from law school. He didn't get to see me become a lawyer that, that, you know, that really burns inside. but he was the one that helped me get through school undergrad when I almost dropped out. Cause I didn't have the money. He's the one that stepped up and said, Hey, I'll help you out. This and a third, and it, and my favorite back to him was, I paid off all my student loans, you know, mm. which he helped me get some of those. So all I have, I have no student loans right there. I paid them
0: all off.
1: I was say, oh, you, you say, good? You went, you went to a private school because I know we went to a private school in Jacksonville for, <laughs> and it was what fifty thousand a year,
0: something like that. But let me tell you, hey, I
1: don't even, <laughs> I didn't even know how student loans worked back then. I, I
0: and and know you know that what? Like that. That's a, that's a thing about like how how we end up signing up for school and stuff like that because. It's like they let you sign for this stuff, but you don't know nothing that you're signing up for. Like, do you, th- do you, think, do you think that's predatory? Well, I look at it like this.
2: Uh, when you go to these institutions, you know, they can really do what they want to do as far as pricing is concerned. But they also, what they, what they do is they push college, but it, the explanation is not, not there for a lot of people and what you want to do. Like, for example, I know some young men and young women who went to technical school and make great money and that was 12 to 18 months of school versus four years where somebody ate up you know 70 to a hundred thousand dollars in debt they may have ate up 10 to 20 and paid that off within eight nine months of having that career going into whether it's welding, masonry whatever it might be so to get to your your point it's like one side of it says well you know what you signed up for you went to school you signed these loans you know what you signed up for the other side of it says, well, wait a minute. You're giving an 18-year-old kid $60,000 to go to school, knowing that at 18 years old, they're going to party, they're going <laughs> to do everything crazy, and they're not going to save the money. They're going to blow it, and when they come out, they owe a house note almost yeah. uh, or a mortgage payment almost to, you- to get out of it. So, yeah. And you're not guaranteed to get a job not- that reflects
0: what you actually paid for your degree. And that's something that me and, me and BJ talk, say this all the time because people come to, us all, they come to us all the time like, hey, bro, I'm trying to figure out what I'm about to do or whatever. Or what you, but I always tell people. So sorry, guys. <laughs> but people always come to us and they're like, hey, so how do I end up like, getting to a place where I want to be or what should I do? Should I go to school? And I, I don't even tell people to go be an entrepreneur like us or nothing like that. I am like, hey, bro, go, go, do a, go get a trade. <laughs> go get go a trade. Get go learn how to do a, Go learn how to fix an HVAC. <laughs> th- th-
2: this is what I say. I say it's not about what you know is who you know. Mm-hmm. You can know, you can have a 4.0, 4.2, and that, that tells me you're you're book smart. And you can get you can take a test and pass it. Mm-hmm. But then if I put you in a work field, do you have the common sense to do things that they don't teach you in school? there's a lot of things that being a lawyer that you can't be taught in school. You have to actually learn it through doing it. And some people, the pressure is too much to walk into a courtroom and do the things that I myself and a lot of other lawyers do every day. See, lawyers live on slippery slopes and in gray areas every day where most people are uncomfortable or nervous or like, I don't want to go to court. I may go to jail. That's where lawyers make their money. Mm. Lawyers make their money when one side is saying X, the other side is saying why? And right in that middle, you're trying to convince a judge or whoever the trial fact is, a jury to take your side for the, these reasons. Most of America is uncomfortable doing that. And most of America who defendants who have charges or even plaintiffs in personal injury cases, they don't want to see a courtroom. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, uh that gray area that, that's where lawyers make their money at. And so it's not about you can know a lot, but you really need to l- learn from others who've been in the field, so then you can take that and put it in, into your own self. Mm. And yeah, the book smarts is cool, but the book smarts might not make you the the five to ten to twenty million dollars that you're looking for if you're trying to really grind and go get it.
1: Yeah, that's, so that's I, like- I have some family that's like in the um the law space. So so actually, how many years of like school is that to be an attorney and be a lawyer? Like, how many years of school is it?
2: It took me I left my hometown in 2005. That's when I became a freshman Fall of 05. I graduated from Bethune-Cookman Spring May of 2009. I took a year off. I started law school in Fall of 2010. I graduated law school May of 2013 and then I passed the bar in May of 16. And then I passed Florida in April of 21. So in total, it took me to graduate law school, it took me seven and a half years. Mm. Then to become a licensed attorney from the time I graduated undergrad, seven years. Um, So yes, it's about seven and a half years to go to school. But while I was in school, I was fairly young. Everybody was partying and all that stuff. So you knock it out the way because now I'm 26, 27. I got this degree and I got an unlimited salary cap. And I'm like, well, everybody who was partying and doing their thing, now it's my turn. But now everybody got kids. they older now. Oh, they don't want to do that. <laughs> was
0: you was you, was you, was you, was you part of that partying at all? Or were you just locked in? I mean, in undergrad, I had a good time.
2: I'm telling anybody. If you go to college, <laughs> have a good time. You're paying a lot of money. Get your education. Your mom and daddy didn't send you there to, to be dumb and to not do anything. But also, uh, have fun. I had a great time. But I knew when to cut it off. Mm-hmm. I I knew when the de- listen and when you go to college parties are not just Saturday and Sunday like like high school there's parties on Tuesdays Wednesdays Thursdays and you have the option to go to those parties get drunk have a good time or not and I didn't go to parties through the weekday because I knew that I'm paying way too much money to be here. Number one, and number two, you go out, you don't come back three, four, five o'clock in the morning. You got an eight o'clock class. You're not gonna make it. You're gonna get behind, and you're gonna try to catch, want to catch up. You can't catch up, and now you're looking at yourself like I failed the course, or I made a low grade when I could have made an A. I made a C, D, F, whatever it might be. Uh, so I said, tell everybody, look, have a good time. As far as me, I parted undergrad, I graduated with I think 3.5, and then. I had a my I took a year off where I had a phenomenal time and then I cut it all off. Went to law school and got extremely serious. And from 2010 to 2016, I was all about getting my license. That's the what that's the number one focus. Get my license and make money. That was the number one focus. That's crazy because I, mean,
1: I was about to say you say you said it's a um unlimited salary cap. So what do you mean like necessarily by that?
2: That's for me. Nah, this is what I mean. So when I, came, when, I, when I passed the bar, I, I didn't know where I was going to go. God rest his soul, Nicky Bonner. He was a lawyer. He was my frat brother. And he let me work out of his office uh, for a few months. And he said, you can eat what you kill. Meaning, whatever you go get, you can have it. Um, you just work on some of our cases, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. And I said, okay, you a hustler, you a grinder. You could go work for somebody, but they're not gonna give you what you're worth. But at the time I really wasn't worth nothing, because I haven't proven anything. I just passed the bar. I just got sworn in June 16, 2016. So it's like, okay, what are you, who are you? Like, you haven't, you haven't done anything. And so I said, all right, I'm gonna stand out in front of the courthouse. That's what I did. I stood out in front of the courthouse. I had my quick cards from FedEx. It was like 10 bucks, black and white. I was passing them out to people who needed a lawyer. They were like, hey, you a lawyer? Yep, here you go. I was taking cases for $10, $15, crazy. Uh, $20, just to be in court. I was doing speeding tickets. I was doing everything. I was doing uh, bench warrant. I, I was doing it all, just trying to get in court to get my name out there. And then what happened was, unfortunately, he passed away while I was at the office, getting ready for a DUI wow. trial. And And um, I had a big break that week. We was in Gwinnett County, sitting second chair for a trial, DUI trial. I went in the hallway. There was a guy who walked up to me and said, I need a black lawyer. I said, well, I'm black as it get. Uh, <laughs> I don't even <laughs> know if you can do it, but And, yeah. and he said I, said, I said, well, what are you charged with? He told me what he's charged with. I didn't know no better. I'm young. I said, $500. He was like, okay, no problem. And then I said, no, I think that's a felony. I said, $5,000. Then he was like, oh, are you switching up? I said, yeah, because I thought it was a misdemeanor or whatever. Me still not knowing. So I said, when is your court date? He said, at 1 o'clock. It was 1230. Mm. I said, Whoa. I said, okay, hold on. He pulled out 2000 dollars I said, let me get that. He gave it to me. Pooh. He said, are you gonna be there? I said, yeah, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> You're right. I don't even know. Nothing out? about the case. Nah, nothing. Zero. Now nah, <laughs> he nah, here go the funny he didn't part do about it. it. He didn't do he it. Go, here <laughs> go the funny part about it. I walk in court. They pushed me to number one on the calendar. Oh. Mm. I had never I had never done an arraignment before. And I walked in, they said, Mr. Smith. Uh, would you like for us to uh, read the formal arraignment or waive it? And I said, read it. And I didn't know I could waive it. And when she was reading it, she was like, "Your client is charged with aggravated assault, pulling out a knife, pulling out a gun, shooting, cutting." I'm like, "Cut, wait, wave cut, it, Got no, it. no, wait." <laughs> I was, and the whole courtroom, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. look, the they whole courtroom him. was like. And and I felt like, I mean, all my deodorant was going on my <laughs> I, you know, I I felt so little. I was like, yeah. you know what? I was like, what did I just do? He looked at me like, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, Why I ran in my car, I like, I don't smoke. Well, I was like, man, I need a Newport, man. Like, that was tough, man. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you learn from that experience? I uh, learned that if you don't jump out there and do it, you'll never learn.
0: Mm, break you'll, that down. You'll never
2: learn. Break that down. Because okay. I was in front of the Honorable Judge Karen Byers, who was a great judge in Superior Court of Gwinnett County. And here's the thing, they, I always say, tell people this, advice may be misleading, but examples are always clear. So somebody can tell me all day what to do, what to do, what to do, but if you don't show me what you're telling me, then how do I know how to do it? Mm. So when I went in there, nobody told me what to do it, but I used that example to say, okay, I could tell the next young lawyer or the next person coming up that this is what I did wrong. This is what you need to do Right. And I'm showing you the example of what I did wrong so you don't have to be like me. So you use it as a building block and you get better from that. So when you go in there again on somebody else, you know what to do from that standpoint. But I wouldn't know what to do if I would have never been through it. So telling me is one thing. It's like me rehearsing something all day. And when I get in front of everybody, I, I get shook. Yeah. I forget it all. Yeah, And in that moment, I said... I'm glad I did that happen to me, because the best experience is hands-on experience. And reading from a book, I would have never, I would have never learned that. I would have never got that. So that's what I mean by that, you know. And you have to jump out there, do it, and you're gonna make mistakes. You're, You're gonna, you're not gonna be perfect, but you just learn from it, get better, and you grow and. Sooner or later, you, you know, you turn into a, a a great person, great lawyer, or whatever you do in your career. So
0: yeah, that's a. I, I figured. I mean, and that's just for anybody. That's for especially if you' been a lawyer, anything, especially if you're in business, which a lot of people that tune in, they try to they they use in business. I just tell them, bro, you just got to go. You just got to start. Yeah. Like, people come to me, they ask me, hey, how you do that? They try to get every step, and it's like, bro, I, it's some stuff I can't teach you, just because I probably know the answer, but the thing is. I won't know it until I'm in a situation. Right. (laughs) I will not know the answer right now (laughs) out the back, but you just, you won't even know what questions to ask until you're doing it.
1: Correct. Yeah. So did you always want to be in a criminal defense? Or like, was, did that just like get thrown on you?
2: Yeah, because when I was growing up in the hood, I never understood it until I got older. But when the police came down, there would be times where everybody started running and you don't know what somebody did or not, but you ran with them because you didn't want to get stopped and, and slammed or whatever. There was times when we were walking home, they would put us on the gate, spread them, just like it, like it wasn't nothing. That's crazy. And so I said, there's no way this can be legal. I mean, there's no way people's rights can be violated like this. And, again, when I saw the OJ trial, I mean, Johnny Cochran looked like a a, a superhero on TV. I mean, he was litigating. He was doing his thing. And when they got the not guilty Obviously we, you know, you know at the time that there was the LA riots and all that stuff, but I'm like, that's where I wanna be, like that. Mm. And so I went into criminal and I felt like my voice, I felt like my presence, and I felt like my work ethic could get a lot done in the criminal field where it may be lacking um in a lot of areas in that field. So that's why I wanted to go into criminal and I got a love for it. Like I love criminal law. Like I, I love it. I got a passion for it. I do. I really do. And I don't see myself never not doing it. Mm. I just have tapered it down a little bit from what I used to do from years ago. So
0: Yeah. So so what is, so a lot of people won't even hop into criminal law which that's what you're just saying. Like that's just, that's not something that you most people could stomach. Right? And with with you hopping into criminal law how did how does that help you as like a person overall and what are you learning from these cases that you're doing
2: i think the biggest thing is obviously i i don't think most people in america wake up and say i'm gonna break the law yeah. now people speed every day mm-hmm. and, and they claim oh well, i ain't broke the law well ma'am you speed and <laughs> by the way in georgia uh, speeding tickets are criminal offenses. So you could do up to 12 months of jail and get a $1,000 fine. Most people don't know that. But I didn't know that. I mean, that. That's the truth. You need to slow down. <laughs> uh, but I, what, what I learned is people come to me with their problems. And I have to be very sympathetic and I have to be a great listener to understand where they're coming from. Now, because I've done so many cases and I've been around for a while, I'm able to get there quicker than I was, you know, years before where I had to, have two-hour consultations now. My consultation's twenty to thirty minutes because we we cut down a lot of it with intake and stuff like that. But what I would say the biggest thing that I learned from a lot of these cases is that if they like you, if they want you, they'll hire you. Yeah. People want somebody that that they can that understands them. Think about it. Look at me. I'm six-three, black. I got locks. I got beard. When a lot of people look at me, they don't think lawyer, they think something else. And then when I go to court, even bailiffs, I had a bailiff tell me one time, white bailiff told me I have to look at African-Americans different now because I'm looking at a man who just got a case dismissed, who has hair on his head, who, if I saw him walking down the street, I would think he was a criminal Mm -hmm. or I would think he was somebody else. And so at the end of the day. Representation matters, mm. and the black black people only make up five percent of legal field. Women two percent, yeah. and so representation matters whether there's on the bench, whether it's in the prosecutor realm, whether it's in the defense attorney realm. Most people, I've learned that most people want the representation that they can feel comfortable with that relates to them. And because of the things that I went through and grew and how I grew up, ninety nine point nine percent of the people I can relate to. Yeah. I really can, and so that's the biggest thing I learned, man. That's just, crazy, just, just, you know, just that that representation matters. It really does.
0: Yeah. So, with, so I, I, and that's crazy because we, as that's one of our statements that we're gonna try to talk about is just discrimination inside the law field because we understand legal in the legal field. That's like the probably the most discrimination that happens at all times, and not only to the person that you're defending to you. Right? So when these people are listening and they, and they, how how do you navigate that? How do you navigate when people are you could tell that they're blatantly or maybe a judge or, or maybe the jury they just they just blatantly they 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 literally saying like I'm just judge you just because of your color or who you are how the, the hair your beard you, you got like how do you get through that? First I want to say that the
2: reason why I grew my hair was to show young black men that you don't have to be something that you have to settle for. Mm. You don't have to be a drug dealer. You don't have to work at a fast food restaurant. You don't have to do some low level job just because somebody said
0: you're not gonna succeed because you got hair on your head. So that's the f- the reason why I grew my hair. in The first I want to just stop because that's the that, that's amazing because that's the whole podcast about. That's why I got a tattoo. That's literally why. <laughs>
2: that's literally why. But continue. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. So when when I started off, there was doubt with a lot of people. Are you gonna cut your hair? Are you gonna cut your beard? Are you going to only wear a black suit or a blue suit? Are you going to, you know, look a certain way? Uh, wear a red tie or a blue tie, you know, sort of like pre- when you see the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the way you're supposed to look. And so I looked into the dictionary, encyclopedia, thesaurus, Google, and I said, I don't see no kind of article or no kind of authority that says I need to look a certain way to be a lawyer. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm going to look like this and show people that you can succeed. So, give you a perfect example about discrimination. I was in a court, I won't name the court. 15 lawyers walk in. I walk in after the 15 and they said, let me see your bar card. Oh, wow. And I said, why do you need to see my bar card? Because we don't know if you're a lawyer or not. Mm. I said, well, 15 people just walked through the door and they're lawyers and you didn't ask them for an ID or bar card. So what makes me any different? We never seen you before. I said, so do you have a database of faces that you've already seen? Names that you know by heart that if I pull 15 guys out, you're going to know them? I said, you're probably not. I said, I'm going into this courtroom. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to address this with the judge because they didn't want to let me in the courtroom because they didn't think I was a lawyer. I got in the courtroom. The judge came out. I said, your honor, before you start court, I have something to say. She said, yes, Mr. Smith. I said, your honor. There were 15 people, mm-hmm. lawyers, that walked through the door. I'm the 16th, and I'm the only one that got carded for a bar card and my ID. I did not show it to the bailiff, but the bailiff gave me a pretty hard time about you know being a lawyer. I have pleadings with the court. That's public. I have, you can go to Google and, and see me. You can go to the bar, the state bar website. But I'm not showing my bar card to single myself out because you treated me different from everybody else. So I said, Judge, let me ask you. Is there a database That the court has that shows lawyers that come through and you all remember the names, the faces, everything that when they come through, it's like, okay, fine. We know who you are. She said, no. I said, so, Your Honor, do you know all 15 of these lawyers? She said, I do not. I said, so probably the bailiff doesn't either. So I'm asking this court to let the bailiff know not to treat me any different Mm, from any other lawyer that walks in here. And she said, did this happen? He said, yes. Mm. She said, the next time this happens, you will not have a job. That was the end of that. But that's a perfect example of the discrimination that I have gotten. And that wasn't the first time, even at jails, uh, that I've gotten. But I've overcome it because here's the thing. When you're a lawyer, you have a mouthpiece. You can talk when other people can't talk. Mm. That's why I tell people, if you get charged with a crime, you're not going to be taken as serious as somebody who, with a lawyer when you don't have a lawyer. They treat you different. And it's not mm. that, it's, it's, it's not that you're, you're somebody different, like they're looking down on you. But lawyers have went to school, they have specialties, they've learned, they know the ins and outs and the intricacies of court. And you don't know that. You don't know the relationships people have, so forth and so on. So when they walk through those doors, when they walk to that jury box and sit down and talk to a prosecutor, a judge, an investigator, they're having conversations about things that you couldn't even fathom because you you haven't been where that lawyer has been or where he's about to go so far in your case. So far as discrimination, it's there. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, if we don't speak up and say something, I could have easily said, "You're right. He got my bar card. He got my license. I'm sorry, sir. I am a lawyer certified here." But but that that wouldn't have did the trick. Yeah. That needed to happen for him to say, "I can't do that again." And and that's what it is with discrimination. You got to speak up. If you don't speak up, nobody's gonna
1: know about it. Nobody's gonna know about it. And I apologize, guys, but I gotta take a bathroom break. Oh goodness! I'm so sorry.
0: I was just so intrigued. <laughs> so oh my god! Yeah, I, I, nah, go
1: it's
0: ahead. It's all good. Go ahead. Yeah. Pause it, yeah, Tay. Go ahead. This yeah. a young man has uh, to uh, potty. Uh, like remember got know, I I remember. All right. All right. So, man, that that's crazy. Just being able to understand that that discrimination is happening everywhere, like at all the time. Now, does this only happen, like? With people of the opposite race, or does it happen with people of the same race? Like, how how it? I know we deal with discrimination, especially with doing real estate, but I deal with it more with people that are, are the same race as me.
2: Well, I always say all skin folk and can't folk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes it's not, sometimes the discrimination is different. Because let's take an assistant district attorney. She has a boss,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that person has a boss, who's probably the elected district attorney. And there's probably certain rules that are in that office that they have to follow, and they don't have the authority to do something for you. And somebody always say, "Well, that person got X." Well, you never can compare two cases. You don't know the facts and circumstances. You don't know the evidence. You don't know anything about that other case. All you see is a face, a name, and what they got, and you think yours is similar. But the facts might be different. Right. And so that ADA might not be able to do nothing for you. Uh, But where the discrimination lies, I believe, a lot of times is that especially in indigent clients, when clients cannot afford a lawyer. Mm. Now, they say if you can't afford a lawyer, they get one for you. And public defenders do a wonderful job across this country. Listen, they, they are bombarded with cases. And I have colleagues and friends that do a masterful job as pole defenders. Matter of fact, they do a, a lot of them do better jobs than private attorneys. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but when you can't afford an attorney or, in some cases, when they make a little bit too much money and they can't give them a lawyer, a court-appointed lawyer, then it comes off. They don't know how to defend themselves. And so somebody might come up to them and say, just plead no low. Not knowing that, plead nolo might save points but the charge is still going to be on your record. The insurance company is still going to use it against you. They're still going to hike yeah. your rates up. And now you're paying two $300 more than what you were paying before for the next 12 months, all because you played no law. Instead of taking $500 to get a lawyer, and that would have saved you about $1,500. So I think that it just depends on the context of where we're looking at it. Now, I have clearly seen defendants who look a certain way get treated a certain way it happened to me uh in one of my cases and we dealt with it we beat we beat the case he got found not guilty mm-hmm. but through the ride getting there i felt the discrimination i felt the disdain i felt the the there was no love present with him not because he had charges but i just figured he was black he was big he was, you know, very verbose. You know, meaning he spoke a lot. He was very outspoken, and they didn't like that. And so they basically wanted him to just shut up and take it. Take it, yeah. And he yeah. he didn't want to. say, "I'm going to trial. Screw y'all. We went to trial. Had a grand time at trial. Found him not guilty, all charges. Yeah. And um, hey, I was happy. They, they I, I know you. were. <laughs> do
0: they do they, rail, do? they do? you think they they railroad people?
2: Uh, you know, that's very tough to say. I think that judges have a very tough job. Every day when people come to the courtroom and ask for mercy, you got some people who here's what I don't like. Now, I will bring this up because this is very key. And I don't think a lot of people understand this. Everybody has a constitutional right to a trial in a criminal case. You know, if there's jail time involved. You have a constitutional right to a trial. What I don't like is that judges say you have that constitutional right. You exercise that right. And if you lose that trial, I'm going to punish you because you didn't take a plea. That is not what p- punishment is for. So, for example, a young man goes to trial on a speeding ticket. And I told y'all before, you can get 12 months in jail, on dollars fine. If he would have took a plea, he would have just had a fine. That's it. Maybe mm. defensive driving. But because he took it to trial and lost, he gets four months in jail. Mm. 120 days for going 15 miles over the speed limit. Oh, my goodness. Which sounds absolutely Buckley. crazy.
1: For just contesting
2: it. For just contesting it. Mm. And I think that that has to stop. I can't tell judges what to do or what not to do, but I am not going to sentence somebody just because they exercise a constitutional right. Now, unfortunately the legislation, uh, the people who make the laws, they have laws that say that the mandatory minimum, like you can't go below this if they get found guilty, uh, like murder.
1: Mm.
2: Now they say, okay, well you can't get any less than 30 years. I have to sentence you. The other alternative is life. So the judge says life. Do the first thirty, or just life without parole. So it's life with parole, life without parole. You know, and so
0: I thought life was twenty five, but it, I guess I'm
2: so. It, oh, it's fifteen. No, 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 oh,
1: thirty.
2: I know, know it's fifteen. Um, so, uh, but but it straps the judge because the judge may want to do something less, but they can't because they was found guilty of of what is on the books, and so what was on the books, the judge says, I've heard it all the time. I can't do anything. I give you a perfect, another perfect example. You remember the case in Dallas, Texas, where the lady saw the guy in the apartment and she thought she was in her apartment but was in the wrong one and shot the guy. Uh, oh, wow. uh, and she went to trial. Amber Geiger, that was her name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I they did, found her yeah. guilty. But remember, the judge hugged her in open court and said, I feel bad for you. So I think Texas is a 5 to 99 state. The minimum is five years. The max is 99. She got five years. Mm. If judges around the country had that kind of leeway in their state, some of them might go below 30 and say, I, I don't think this murder was as egregious as I, I thought it was before, based on the facts and evidence, 15 years, 20 years, so forth and so on. But but in our state, you know, it's you're either going to get life or you're going to get 30. But I ain't Life or 30, so.
1: And how do you feel about, like, when a case had, did, do all cases have, like, the jury involved? Is that, like, a known thing to have, like, a jury involved in a case? A yeah,
0: mandatory Is that mandatory to have? Yeah, is it J- mandatory? J- jury, so juries
2: come Later on down the road If it requires one mm. A lot of cases start off in Municipal court which mm. is city court Right. Yeah. You don't have a right to a trial in city court You bind the case over And you have a right to a trial in state court Or if it goes upstairs superior court mm. So only 1.7 To 1.9% of cases In the country go to trial most of them oh, wow. end up in dismissal or pleas. Wow. And I'm the lawyer who I don't convince my client to go to trial. I tell them this the good, this the bad, here's the evidence, this is what they got against us, what, what helps us. You make the decision. And they tell me trial or nothing. I love those clients because I know from the day we get started, I'm getting ready for trial. The whole time. And I know we're picking either six people in a misdemeanor case or 12 people in a felony case to go try a case to figure out whether or not he's going to be found guilty or not. Yeah. And so juries come way down the road, but ultimately in the case you're just trying to get the best disposition you can. Of course, a lot of factors in that, are how much the his criminal history, you know, the egregiousness of the crime, demographics where is the charge at, you know, it's a different charge in one county than it is in another county, seeing that one county might be 99% white, and you got a black defendant. Another county might be seventy nine percent black, you know, and you got a white defendant. So it's like, what do you do? Mm. And you you that plays a role in how people either gamble or say, no, I'm not gonna gamble. I'm gonna take the deal and be out of here because I know what could happen if I lose that trial.
1: Yeah. So, and I want to ask this question for personal reasons because I, I I have a girlfriend. She's like in school for law and wants to be like an attorney, a lawyer. So, and. In going down that field, how do you make, like, the big books? Like, how do you just maximize that career field?
2: It depends on what you want to do. Mm. Every field of law is not a you know, crazy money-making part. You have people who do animal law. You have people who do just, like, for example, they do easements. You have people that just do quiet title actions. You you have people that just do murder, that's it. You have people that just do just do that like this one solo thing or multiple things. But as far as maximizing the dollars, there's a lot that goes into that. Because you you, what what happens is most people who go out solo, they're on their own. Mm. And then you start getting a team. And you hope the team would be strong to help the business build revenue. And so to expand the dollar amount, obviously, some depending if you want to go into big law, smarts does play a big role in that. But if you want to do something like me, like I know this might make a lot of people laugh, but I'm like a legal dope boy. I could hustle all day, all night. My law firm is the trap house. People come in <laughs> daily. They call daily. The phone's ringing all the time. There's consultations every day. We get hired on cases all the time. And if the trap ain't booming, we ain't eating.
1: And do you got to be well-spoken in this, in this career field?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, you got lawyers who work in firms. They don't never go to court. Mm. All they do is they type up the briefs, the motions, the research, and they never see a courtroom. In my firm, you're going to see a courtroom. Because I don't want people just, when you come work for me, you, when you leave me, if you leave me, yeah. you'll know how to open your own firm. Yeah. You'll know what to do, how to run it, because I don't hide nothing from any of my employees. They know what's going on, why it's going on, where it's going on. And I don't want to be a boss that says, hey, look, for example, we doing good. And then Monday morning, there's a sign on the door saying, we, we closed. Mm. you fire. fired. Yeah. So, well-spoken, you don't have to be. But if you want to litigate, yeah, you got to speak. You got to talk.
1: So, so if you save somebody, let's say somebody's fighting 25, 30 years in jail. Okay. How much is that worth? Like, how much do I owe you for saving me 25 to 30 years in jail? Okay.
2: I don't talk about fees in, in public.
1: Because what I really want to get to is, like, how do people have, like, like the people that represent their celebrities and stuff, and they're making we wait, they're well, making wait. billions and stuff. So it's like,
0: before before hold on wait, we go we gonna get there. But <laughs> okay. before, before we get there, I wanna I wanna touch on something because you yeah, said something right, about right. your um uh, about Taylor t- I mean my girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying my name. <laughs> I don't want to say my name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you talking about your girl or whatever and um her going to going to school and want to be a lawyer. So how how I mean what's that process actually to become a lawyer? Because I know you go to law school, you graduate. But eventually you gotta go ahead and get licensed. But being licensed, you gotta go do the bar. That's great. How was that like the bar like itself? Cause I heard that's a, like that's a stressful time in life. <laughs> yeah, it is.
2: So, the process for me, I can explain my process. Yeah, go ahead, explain yours. So, Talk about it. I went to a school that taught year round. I didn't take most law schools. You go two, you go you got two semesters, fall spring. Yeah, you, you have five or six classes each semester. I didn't do that. I had three four four and i i went down to like another three again and i at the end i ramped it up so i I was done the three years now here's the thing when you get to that last year of law school you want to start focusing on where you're going to practice law and my listen i was wide open i had miami las vegas la Mm. houston Philadelphia, Wherever I can go. Boston. I had so many cities that I wanted to go. But I had trouble Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I was going to practice law, Charlotte. Um, my dad lives in Concord, North Carolina. Um, so I said, okay, well, I'll just go to Charlotte. I'm not far from him. And, uh, you know, he knows a lawyer who wanted me to intern there, so forth and so on. But then I came to Atlanta, and I was like, oh, no, nah, this ain't Charlotte. It's and uh, and it was different.
0: It, it was different. <laughs> we yeah. guilty So Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <We> them, boy, <laughs> them boys, be you know, guilty. Know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was different. Yeah, and they said in their songs, yeah. they tell them that they guilty, it, too. It, it,
2: it's different. <laughs> so, <guilty> <laughs> So I said, I'm, I'm coming to Atlanta. Now, my focus, here's the thing. So when I first moved here, January 13, I started working at Cracker Barrel on Delco in Marietta. Dead wrong. And I was also working um for my old boss. His name is Ray Lel. Mm. Shout out to Ray Lel, great lawyer. He allowed me to see that solo attorney side. Yeah. I saw everything. I'm like, wow, I was writing checks. You know, I was I was running errands. I was delivering paperwork. I was filing paperwork. I was I was doing everything that a lawyer would do. I just couldn't appear in court mm. and do that. So I did an externship from January to May. Then that's when everything shut down. So, okay, you got to focus on passing the bar in July. Bar exam come up in July. I go in there, I wasn't ready at all. I said, "Man, I am not doing this." I took it the first day, the second day, I just you know, I was taking I just walked out. So I said, I I can't do it. Um, I wasn't ready. I I it looked like a foreign it looked like foreign language when I saw it. So then I said, "Okay, cool, no you problem."
0: Walk, you said you walked out.
2: Yeah, I walked out.
1: Mm.
2: Y'all walked out. What? I walked out. So you went to school that time. You went in there. Said saying- I went. To fr- I went both days. <laughs> I went both days. But when 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 it was over, or before it was over, I was done. I was like, I mean, I knew I had, I knew I didn't do it merely, nearly enough to prepare. I didn't have a prep course. I didn't have any money. Mm. I didn't have a prep course. I didn't have anything. So that was done. Started working at Waffle House again. Um, because I quit Cracker Barrel in October 13th. So start working at Waffle House again. I got this time. I got prepared. February 14. I went to take the test. Georgia. Uh, well, the entire country takes it twice a year, July and February. So I got ready February. I'm like, here we go. I went in there. I felt good. I felt confident. I walked out. I said, OK, I feel good. And then May came because Georgia, <laughs> it's crazy. Georgia's get their results last on like any other state. That's crazy. You get your results the last week in May. You took the test in February. Golly. So Memorial Day weekend. So you're just,
0: so you just stressing. Right. Just I, trying to yeah, yeah. <laughs> just
2: so, open up. So, bad. so I, I, I opened the results and I failed. That's two times. And I said, yeah, yeah. Because, I'm, count- I'm counting for because, you. Because, Don't worry about because it. Because the first time, I didn't even, it wasn't even fail. I walked out. <laughs> so it's not even a failure. I I'm just walked out.
0: This
2: time, I actually failed it. Like I okay. tried my hardest. I said, okay, I failed. All right, so one time. You know, and then I said, okay, let's get ready for July. Um, July 14 came. Now, in between that time, my grandfather had passed. He died mm-hmm. between the February um, testing and the J- July testing. So I made a 259 in February. I came back in July, I failed again. I made a 262. Two. So then, February of 15, I was getting ready. I said, Okay, I feel good about it. I um, went in and I took it. I got a, two, you need a 270 to pass. I got a 268.
0: Damn. Three times he failed.
2: And I said, Wow, man, it's crazy. Sheesh. So oh. then I said, All right, when you get close to the finish line like that, it can really like just blow you away. So then, July of 15 came. I said, all right, I'm 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 gonna crack it this time. I got a 269, I believe. So I'm right there. I'm right there. And so they say if you're going down, that means you kind of maybe you should step away from it. But I was at the finish line. So this is what happened. Now I become a manager at Waffle House. And I'm trying to make more money, trying to do what I do. And December. A 15 January of 16 This is what happened I was just reading the emails the other day My apartment complex said you're new, you're, you're, You got to renew your lease Or you got to go So I said can I get one more month They said fine I scratched some money together Paid one more month That was January of 16 Mind you I am got I got a test next month February 16 So The day before the test Maybe a week before the test They said Two weeks before the test They said if you don't have the money, you got to get out. So I, I gave my notice to vacate, and for the first time in my life, I was homeless. Wow! So and right, this is right before you took it. This right time. before I took the February 16 bar. What
1: do you mean homeless?
2: I mean like homeless. Like I was sleeping in the back seat of my car. Mm. I was uh, bathing or at least washing up at the QT in Sandy Springs. Mm. My cousin had just moved to Atlanta. And I was kind of staying in and out of her house, but you know, you don't want to stay yeah. in another folks' house. Burden, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm literally sleeping in my car in the back seat with covers over me behind buildings, um, so I could have a place to stay. So I was studying libraries. I was studying Waffle House sometimes, trying to you know make sure I was good. Now the test came. I, st- I worked at Waffle House the day before the test. They could care less about the bar. They said, come to work. Fine. Went to work that Monday. I was off Tuesday and Wednesday as a test. I had studied. I didn't study for long. And I said, Man, I don't know about this. But I went in and I played that Eminem song, um Lose uh, Yourself. Lose yourself. Right, yeah. I already knew Lose it. Yourself. Lose yourself. And I looked in the mirror, I said, <laughs> You did all this work. You paid all this money. You didn't do all this to quit. You're going to win. So I walked in there. First day I came out, I said, okay. I felt good. The second day, I'm like, oh, it was like an avalanche came down. But I still, I stayed, you know, I stayed the course, took care of business. I go back to Waffle House. I'm working. Rest of February, rest of March, rest of April, rest of May. Now, mind you, in between this time, I'm homeless. Mm-hmm. I have no place. You homeless whole time? Whole time. Goddamn. I was getting, I was getting drunk, purposefully. You had to at other people's house just so I could have a place to stay that night.
0: Oh, you no, know, they, hey. they would have a they
2: would have a they would have a get together on Friday. Hey. And I say I can't drive.
0: You went, you went, you went, you went cracking on just so you could live there.
2: No.
1: Come on, no, trip You tripping, no. you me? No,
0: no. <laughs> no.
2: You gotta understand you gotta understand the mindset I was at. I yeah. was broke. Uh-huh. I had no money. All my credit cards went into collections. Damn. Um my car was on the virgin again repo. Um I I I had I was at the lowest point of my life that I had ever been before, ever. And I, I, as many nights where I cried, where I just didn't understand why am I in this position right now, I got a law degree, I got a bachelor's degree, and I'm living out of my car. So I'm working at Waffle House. Nobody knew this at Waffle House. I'm a server. So I'm waiting tables. I was at the Waffle House on um, P. Money Far Road. You're okay. not even a cook. Um, I, I, well, I made more money serving. You, oh, um, you were making it. Too. No, making I made more, more money up. serving. I, but I was a cook. I did it all. Okay. Uh, Waffle House they got a lot of work out of me trust me Yeah. but May of 16 came May of 16 came I'm at the Waffle House so I know the results about the you know about the drop but I wasn't paying attention I got a phone call um, whew, I got a phone call you can cry about um, in um, May of 16 I was at Waffle House I got a phone call and it was from my classmate she was in Hall County at the time, and shout out to Tari Thomas, uh, love that girl, great, great lawyer, um, great, great girl. Um, she called me, she said, What's your middle name? Mm. I told her, She said, You passed. Wow, I said, No, I didn't, man. I said, You know, I've been down this road before, I, you know, I've been there four separate times, you know, five separate times. See, I, I didn't pass this thing, and so. So I had food all over me, man. It was busy, and I'm taking care of business. And I'll go to the back. I log in. Dang. I checked it,
1: and um, crazy.
0: (laughs) That's a blessing.
2: I checked it, and it said you had passed (laughs) it. And just like at that moment, like I don't. It just like this is how I felt at that moment. I just dropped to my knees and. I just started crying because it was just like was going to nobody had understood the hard work I had put in from 2005, leaving my hometown to that moment right there to become a lawyer.
1: Yeah,
2: and I called my mama. I told her, I told her what happened. She was just very happy. Then I called my old boss, and you know Ray was extremely happy, and um, you know I said. Uh, I just could not believe it. I had worked so hard to get there. And that moment, I would never forget it because I, I was in the back. I had my apron on. I had my name tag. I had waffle batter all over me. Literally. And literally, they said, it said, congratulations, you passed. And, um, and you say your grandma
1: lot. or your auntie prophesied My aunt, Mount Lemur. Yeah, my aunt, aunt Lemur. It was my mom's sister. Yeah, she yeah. passed
2: away. But it was my mom's sister. So. At that moment, <laughs> my boss said, I'm assuming you quit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, I quit, you know, really and, and, and I quit. So I said, okay, all right, what are you going to do now? Now, I mean, I'm, talking, I'm over the moon right now, but I said, all right, this work. next step, it's time to go get it. So that weekend, I had a great time. Friends threw a little party for me. It was great. And I said, all right, enough of the party. It's time to get to work. Yeah. Um, my focus was now you got to grind. You got to show people that you got the license now. Now you got to show people you real, that you could do this. And you have no capital. You have no money. You have no house. You don't have an apartment. You don't even have a tent. You have nothing. Wow. All you have is nothing. And so at the time, that's when, when I told y'all earlier about the guy who gave me the $2,000. He didn't know this. Mm. But at the time, um, it was a... Uh, Pin Air Federal Credit Union. That's what I had my, my car note through. They emailed me and told me if you don't make this payment, um like the three months ago, that mm-hmm. we we're gonna repo you. So I was making some on it that I can, and the payment, the money he gave me in conjunction with what I had, paid my car note off. Mm. So I took a bill away from me that I was struggling to pay because I was homeless, and boom, I paid it off. So now I had a title to my car.
0: It okay, so you crazy. paid it off all. The, yeah, yeah.
2: So um once I once I found that I passed, I got sworn in, Judge Hutchinson, Gwinnett County, and after that, it was over. I said nobody's gonna stop the grind, nobody's gonna stop the hustle, and every time I step in court, every time I'm doing work, every time I'm in my office, my employees, they see it, but they can't feel it the same way because they ain't go through what I went through, right? And there's no knock on them. Yeah, fair. But the 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 excitement inside of me and the will to win and the will to want to be better comes from what I had been through. And we can the homeless part was 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 just a small snippet of it. Yeah. You gotta think I had been going through a rough patch probably from 89 until 16, Shit. finding a way to make it, way to make it, way to make it. And so the bar exam is tough. But if you if you stick with it, if you you grind, you could do it. Now I'm licensed in two states, because I had to study for Florida too during COVID. And so you know, I passed Florida bar, and man, it was crazy because I went, I got sworn in in my hometown, That's and crazy. getting sworn in in your hometown is crazy, man. Like you know, everybody was just, it's like the city was so happy, you know. And I mean, the internet went crazy when I posted. I think it was over like eleven hundred people who who liked it. It was you know, I made a video. It was like. I think it was like 50,000 in, in views. It was crazy. Like, everybody went nuts when they found out, oh, you licensed in Florida. So
0: everybody who I knew down there was like, oh, yeah, we got oh, free yeah. work. Like, nah, 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 ain't no coupons <laughs> over here. That's right, that's right. Man, I mean, just just, just tell us, a, like, what, what did you, so obviously, you know, you told us the story, you know, what did, what did you learn from that? Because obviously, I, I felt it, right? I feel it because, I mean, you just can, but what did you learn from that? What is that, What's that t- like, what what is that lesson that you get from being able to go through all that? failed a bar that many times and still not give up? Like, what's that lesson that you got from that that you could give to people?
2: Uh, here's the thing. Um, lawyers got big egos. You will never hear this side of lawyers, what I'm telling you about me. You'll hear all the good. You'll hear all the great. But but the raw side of most lawyers you'll never hear about, unless they get in trouble. Uh, then you'll hear about it. But I think that, here's the thing, man. I, I joined the greatest fraternity in the world, Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. And we got four corner principles, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, uplift.
0: Yeah,
1: I ain't going to
2: do the bark. And so when you when you think about think about it like this, you started high school not knowing if you were going to make it out of there. You made it. You got you made it out the hood through all the things you saw. Then you go to college. You make it out of there. Yeah, you got student debt. No problem. Then you come out of college, and then you go to law school. You grind at midnight, 6 a.m., noon. You working every day in the library. And then you get out here and say, well, I'm going to quit because I fail." Hold on. Wait a minute. Mm. So you mean to tell me your future children or nieces and nephews, whoever, you're going to explain to them that you can quit because it's okay to quit. No, no, no. It's not okay to quit because once you start something, you, you need to finish it. And I think that the biggest lesson I learned through all that was was that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. You might not see it. You might not see it. It, It's going to get very dark for, for a while. But most people give up when the darkness happens. If they keep grinding through it, then boom, at the end of it, there's a light. And what was my light? Well, you passed the bar. You got your own firm. Now you got employees. You no, know, now now we got two hundred plus clients uh, in our office. We started off with one or two. Wow. We get consultations every day. We used to have them once a month. That's
0: crazy. It,
2: it, and and I never have worked for anybody in the law field ever, as far as as a lawyer. Exactly. I've never worked for a firm, court, nothing. It's all me. All this is my, you know, my my business, my firm. And it, it's I'm not bragging anything. I'm just saying that I just do the hard work. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about this. Tie this suit. Only thing I did was work. And I took that from Waffle House. I used to work 100 hour weeks, not two weeks, weeks. 100 hours. 100 100 hours in one week. I used to work 90 hour weeks. Anybody could tell you. I would be on the road coming from Daytona. I would call Waffle House and say, can you put me on the schedule? No problem. The same night I was on the day I was on the road, the same night I was working. Tracy Davidson Wise, that was my manager. You can call her right now. She said, anytime Andre came in town, I would give him doubles, triples, quadruples, whatever he wanted. Because they knew when I came home I was gonna grind. And I took that same mindset and the same stuff I learned as a server, I just brought it over to the legal field. Mm. And so now I'm like, look, if I can grind there, I can grind here. And it's a whole lot easier to grind it here because I don't have to stand in front of people like w- with food, you know, and explain to them what sm- scattered, smothered, covered is all day.
1: Right. <laughs> and it's scattered, cr- smothered, that, uh, covered chunk. That's crazy. Because I Hold mean. On, but what I wanna know is so you went from Waffle House, yep. like you said. You passed the bar. Yep. You said you quit. So you went from a Waffle House salary to being in, a, like, just full-time legal. So I just want to know, like, what can someone expect? Like, is it six figures? Is it seven figures, eight figures? Like, what can they expect once they cross over into that field? Or is it, like, a slow process? Like, you got to work a desk? Like, what can they expect, like? Well, financial wise, going into that like that
2: transition. So I asked a question for you, and I give people a great perspective. At Waffle House, I was making two dollars and thirteen cents an hour. Mm. That was my pay on the hourly pay Jeez. plus tips. Plus tips, yeah. All right. Now some days the tips weren't good. Other days the tips were good, right? And so I was happy making a hundred dollars in a day. hundred dollars a day. Now, the consultation fee. You know, it's about a hundred dollars. So you know, to, to, to talk with me now, I wave it a lot that's of times. That's you all real. That's Yeah, that, but but you know, I wave it most of the time. But what I'm saying is, is that I was so happy with what I had at the time. Now everything else is a bonus mm-hmm. because. You, you, yeah, you make more money, right? When you become a lawyer, there's no doubt about it. Girl, you say you quit. You yeah, but but I did, I did the same day I quit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, fin- I but I did what a what a gentleman does. I cleaned up my area. Mm. I made sure everybody was served. But that, I, yes, I I did not return after that day. Okay. But I told myself, you got to show yourself and you got to show others that you're serious, right? And that's what I did. Now, as far as I get to your question, it just depends on what area you go into. Now, I tell young people all the time in law school do not expect to come out making six figures You just okay. it's just rare and it's not I'm not saying that to say oh wow you want to score this long time and you ain't getting six figures but nobody knows you no you you haven't proven yourself to do nothing now if you go out here and you're doing good in your briefs you're doing good in your motions, you start winning trials somebody gonna say well he go 250 you know he go 175
1: is that a common thing
2: though yeah absolutely okay. you know absolutely it's, it's very common uh, you, you, you. No law firm. Well, I'll just say small law firm wants to give all that money away because overhead is a problem with small law firms, right? I mean, when you got you know Austin Bird, Jones Day, Morgan and Morgan, these are billion, these are billion dollar firms. Jones. They, they ain't small money firms. So, a firm like somebody like me who had just opened up at sixteen, I can't take on a case where I got to pay ninety thousand to hope to make a million dollars. I don't have the money. Yeah. So at the end of the day, as far as the salary is concerned, it just depends on what you do. If you want to be a prosecutor, you probably ain't gonna make a hundred grand. If you want to be a poll defender, you probably ain't gonna make a hundred thousand dollars. If you want to do big law, you probably will make a hundred thousand dollars. If you want to do what I do, I can't teach yeah, you. you. I, I can't teach you the stuff big law does. There's like a, almost like a pecking order almost. Mm. But I can teach you how to grind. I can teach you how to hustle. I can teach you how to make it. I can teach you how to get some money, and I can teach you how to save some money, and I can teach you how to put your money away because we're not going to be young forever. Mm. Right? Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm hustling and grinding now, but what, what happens when I turn 60, mm. 65, 70? A lot of people burn their money when they're young, but you got to put some back because if you don't, you're still trying to chase it at 60. You can't do it the same way. And I want to sit down. You know, right. i I want I, I, I want to sit down yeah
1: cuz we see real estate we work we we're in real estate so we see like real estate attorneys they be like 60 70 still, <laughs> still signing paperwork still, 60,
0: Man, I mean old bro they be like
1: when you going to
0: stop that, like, <laughs> so old they don't even know we like i'm like bro like
1: what that one attorney we went art. to in making art i will never
0: forget art. that and he could not get the he literally
1: like he, the paperwork he right probably has dementia probably like he he doesn't remember like well He's still behind there signing paperwork.
2: Well, you know, I, listen, some, some people just love what they do. Yeah. You know, and, and some people love to work. They love to grind. I met my grandfather, he retired for a little bit and he went back to work. He said, I don't want to be home.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I just don't know if that's going to be me. I think at some point, I'm going to wrap it up and I'll say, Look, I'm done. You catch me in Turks, catch me in DR, whatever, Cancun, but I'm done. Yeah, Cancun, wherever it might be, but I'm going to be on somebody's beach. Because I work hard to do that. Right. And uh, I think that I, I think that a lot of people don't have the ability to retire because of things they did when they were they were
1: young. Yeah, so got, do you yeah. do you have any ambitions to work like a high profile case or like a celebrity case? Like do you have any ambitions I, to do that? Or are you comfortable in what you do now? I, I
2: this this is it's kinda hard for me to answer that question like that, but I don't have any desire mm-hmm. necessarily to go out and say I wanna represent This person. I have represented some quote unquote celebrities before uh, or some of their associates uh, as well. But I don't seek them out saying, hey, pick me, pick me. No, I don't do that. That's
1: only what Uh, I do. uh, Now,
2: I will say that a lot of the big time celebrities, if you look at them, the lawyers, a lot of times, are not black lawyers. No, I was gonna say that because
1: a lot of the big time lawyers I see, they, they they aren't black.
2: However, here's the thing: I don't judge lawyers on skin color. Mm. There, I mean, listen, there are phenomenal lawyers who are white, black, Asian, Mexican. I mean, Latina. I mean, they are. They're all across the globe, and so I'm not gonna fault Rick Ross. For hiring one of the greatest lawyers we've seen in our time, which is Steve Sadal, um, and not hire me because he's white and I'm black. Uh most people go get who they feel like the best is. Mm-hmm. And like Griselda Blanco said, um, you know, if you got the best cocaine, it sells. Yeah. You ain't gotta advertise it. So I feel like here's a here's another part too. I don't advertise. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have zero. Direct advertising exactly. What I mean like Some people pay for Direct sales To come back to them And say such as Got arrested I have did all this Off of word of mouth
0: That's crazy
2: Word that's of nice. mouth That's crazy that, 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 That's what I did I was all, So to answer your question man It's and, and then it's tough To get in with celebrities Because You gotta go through PR You know Teams and all these other people I like I wanna speak to the person Cause I treat them Just like a regular person You know I don't wanna speak to This guy That guy No I wanna speak to him I don't want to speak to, and, and, oh, well, we, we're we the team to speak for him. No, because here's the thing. He's my client, not
0: y'all. Yeah.
1: I got one more. I got one more. So, like, what's the difference? Like, what makes an attorney, like, good and great? Like, is it the experience? Is it the knowledge? Is it, like, something else outside of that? Or is it, like, like what is it? Like, do they got to be a certain religion or skin color? Or, like, is it just, like, experience?
2: Well, I would say that... Uh, I would quote Mickey Howard from 1989. She made a song called Love Under New Management. And when the first her first line in that song, she said, experience is a good teacher. And there's no doubt... You cannot substitute a book for real-life experience. You can't. But what makes you better is you have to want to grow and get better in your craft every day. You can't say, okay, I was good Monday... So I'm going to take Tuesday and Wednesday off. Do you think the clients that hire me, who I did well for Monday, the ones that hire me for Tuesday and Wednesday, they want to hear about what I did Monday but can't produce it on Tuesday and Wednesday? No. So experience is huge, right? Because once you start getting into court more, once you start doing your briefs and motions and things like that, you get quicker and faster. You can see things better uh, when you do that. But... I don't think religion. man. I know everybody talks about this Jewish thing Oh, Jewish lawyers do this better. They got better relationship. Listen, look at me. I've been in courtrooms all across Georgia and Florida. I've gotten cases dismissed. I've gotten not guilty verdicts. I, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. I'm not Jewish. I'm not white. You know, I think that it, preparation is key. I think if you come to court prepared or whatever you're doing, whether it's a mediation deposition, you have to be prepared. Not only for what you know that's coming, for what you can expect that might come. And then there's sometimes the unexpected because sometimes judges throw you off. They want to see if you're going to be on your game. Right. They mm-hmm. might ask you a question that you didn't expect.
1: Yeah.
2: And so they're going to say, okay, let's see what type of lawyer he is. And boom, they'll ask you a question. And then you'll go, you got to have an answer. You didn't, this ain't on the script. You got to come off the script. And some people can't do that. Some people mm. have a script in their head. And when they go in, if they come off of it, they're uncomfortable. Me? i like, okay, I know what I need to say, but I also know where I need to go if this turn left or go another way. So I think to be good is just preparation, man. Preparation Preparation. is key. And that's the part people don't see. They see suit. They see, you know, tie. they, They see pocket square. They see a watch. They see, oh, man, this lawyer fly. He got on nice socks, shoes. But they don't see that lawyer, he was up there 1, 2 o'clock in the morning looking at videos. They don't see that lawyer working on Saturday, working on Sunday, uh, you know, family at home and while he's at the office making sure the client is good for Monday. They don't see that part. And so I, I caution a lot of people and say, well, lawyers don't do nothing. I said, we do a lot. But people don't see that because we ain't out there broadcasting and going, let me videotape myself at 1.30, looking at that DUI videos, getting ready for your trial that start at 8.30 in the morning because I may have missed something and I want to make sure I'm good. They don't see that part. That's crazy. Do so, you have a
1: mentor in this?
2: I would say I have a few people that I just, again, I just piece certain things from them. Like, you know, I did my externship with Ray Lel, old school lawyer. But he's very knowledgeable, very great. I took a lot from him, and I owe, I owe him a lot mm. because he showed me how to run a law firm. And I just beefed up mine and, you know, put in better resources and tools, stuff like that. But I owe him a lot because he showed me a lot. As far as mentor-wise, what happens is this. You might have a mentor, but sometimes the student starts rising. Uh. And what happens is the student... And the mentor kind of get on the same level sometimes. However, I told you experience is a good teacher. And sometimes the student has to come back down mm. to say, hey, humble myself because i never been here, but I know you have. Can you help me? So yes and that's no. Deep. That's deep. Uh but but at the same time I got people I can go to that can help me out. Okay. And that's what I love about our field. We we I'm in a sweet, sweet three hundred. All lawyers, we just walk in each other's office. Hey man, I got this case, what you think? Hey, I got this case, what you think? We give each other advice and uh it really helps. It's like a big law firm everybody got their own individual offices and it really helps. So that's crazy. Great thing.
0: So I mean what I what I kinda wanna get into is kinda like just the business behind Especially starting your own law firm, okay, right? Because I mean, you you could go out. Obviously, there's two different things. Right? You could go and work for a bigger law firm, right. try to become a partner with them, and all that stuff. I don't know nothing about that. I watch I watch the movie, or two. <laughs> <laughs> and every every movie I see, that's a lawyer. They be like, I'm I'm trying to go become a partner, and they be stressing, right? But you decided to step out and start your own law firm. So how how is that like? What is that process? What does that process look like of starting your own law firm?
2: I had no idea how to run a business. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do with my money. I didn't know nothing. Like, zero. And the process was this. First, I didn't have a, um, a LLC or a PC or anything like that. I was just out hustling. Just hustling. Said, hey, look, I'm a lawyer. Give me some money. like, all right, you know, we're good. But then I incorporated, um, I think, August 9th, 2016. That's when I became uh, officially incorporated. So I became a PC, which is a professional corporation. And good to know. Once I did that, uh, I was legit. So was, quote unquote. Yeah. And then there were certain I gotta file tax. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, well, <laughs> well, that's what happened. First year or two, I didn't. I was just, you know, making money and having a good time. And then IRS go, hey, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, we see you making a little money, but you ain't reporting nothing What's going on And that's when I found out At that time um, That you gotta pay taxes And
1: so So I hired a
2: CPA I eventually got a bookkeeper And we reconciled everything Got it all together And now Every every quarter I know what's going on My you know, Me and, and my legal assistant London we Look at I mean, we have weekly, not weekly, but monthly calls with a bookkeeper going, this is where your money going. This is what you need to cancel. This is what needs to you know, go away, what needs to keep, what needs to stay, so forth and so on. And it helps you when you're going forward because you're looking at something called profit and loss, which is P&L statements. That's what the, the short term name for. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at your profit and loss, you're saying, OK, if my business brought in 30,000 this month, where's our money going? So you might have $15,000 in payroll. You might have $1,000 in rent. You might have another 2500 in miscellaneous stuff. You might have spent you know, $500 on food. So you're looking like, wow, you spent $500 on food? Where? <laughs> and now you start making your peanut butter and jellies at home, take the 500 away and reinvest it back in something else. You might want to reinvest it in stationery or advertising or whatever, but... I did not have that in the beginning. Mm. And so now that I have that, I see a snapshot photo before April even gets here, about October, the year prior, I can see what I'm going to look like in, in, in April. Right. I, I can see what my tax liability is going to look like. And, of course, you work with your CPA to try to, try to limit the tax liability to certain Financial vehicles and stuff like that, but from the time I started to now, it's like light years as far as what I know from running the business to now. So if you're gonna do it, incorporate yourself, get you a CPA, get you a bookkeeper, and keep your overhead low. That's
0: my advice. That's your advice. I got you. So, so when you first started, I guess when you, I know you started at your uh, frat brothers uh, firm. Yep. What? So you was so you wasn't even you was just he basically gave you an office space. That's right. And was just saying, hey, just, just you. I mean, you, got, you can do what you want to do, but I ain't paying you. Listen, he, you got to think. This man
2: was representing some really big-name people. Now, I don't want to say their name, but he really was. And he was really about to go into something really big, and then he got in a car crash and died. Okay. Wow. Hey. Um, and so, and, and the crazy part about it, I was in the office when it happened because we was getting ready for a DUI trial. And when I got the call from another attorney, I said, what? I couldn't believe it. Then I went down to his, his I think it was his mother-in-law's house. And then when I saw the cars, I already knew what, was, what the deal was. But yes, what he did was this. He paid my bar dues to get my license. Because you got to pay it to get your bar card. Mm-hmm. So he got my bar card. He paid for that. Uh, then he would buy lunch sometimes and he took me down to Albany, Georgia where he was from, Doherty County. Same. Um, and so he took me down there, my first one of my first my first time going there. We saw people in the jail and all they I went around meeting all these folks in Doherty County, and I didn't realize that years later I would be doing cases in Doherty County. Mm. And so it's just crazy how it works. But yeah, he said eat what you kill. I was man, we was on Peachtree downtown. Equitable Building is not called anymore. We was right ab- above the cochrane Firm. Oh wow! So you got to think. We I'm like Cochrane Firm. I'm like whoa, wait a minute! And we in the building, you can see over downtown Clayco. I think you can see some of the cab too. Amazing view. So I'm up there like this. Going to make me go even harder, you know. So I'm grinding day in, day out, day in, day out. And I was working on some of the cases that they had. Right, I was saying, look, whatever you got, give it to me because I'm not paying them any rent. You know, I'm like, look, give it to me. And so he said that's what somebody did for him. So he was doing it for me. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, if somebody, if, if somebody wanted to do that, say, look, you know, I'm I'm just starting out, I'm broke, or whatever, I give him three, four months. So look, eat what you kill, get you some money, then you gotta, you know, get you gotta go get it. So because I, you know, you, you don't want to be a crutch to people, but you want to give them a boost. Right. And that's right. what he did. He gave me that boost, and when he died, I was working out of my car, so I was work, I was taking Meeting clients at like Starbucks, or I was meeting them at the state bar. But I was working out of my car until this is a crazy story. Until Colette Steele, who is Brian Steele, uh, you know you see him in the Yasser Rico case. Right. His wife. We're gonna talk about that. Said,
1: Brian
2: yeah. So okay. his wife said, "You can come." That's why I worked the externs. And look, you can come get your own office space. Now I never told this story publicly, but I'm gonna say it first here. She gave me the office space. For little to nothing. Wow. For six months. I'm in Buckhead. Buckhead. I'm on Peachtree Street. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm like, this is money. I'm broke. And everybody, I'm like, this is all money. All money. And I and when I finally, I, I got the office and I was like, this is crazy. Like, my name going to be on the credenza and all that. And then six months came by. She said, okay, you got you to gotta pay the real rent. And, I, and from that point on, I've been in there. I've been in that office this year with May, eight years. I gotta come visit. Yeah, it'd be make eight years that I've been in that been in that suite. So, uh, but yeah, it was great. I, I mean, I got it. I, I got. I went from that point to this point, and then I've upgraded the office since Then got a bigger office. So I've been in that suite since. God, man, for eight years. But I worked there for three, two years from thirteen to fifteen. So.
0: That's crazy. So I mean, so how does it look like bringing? So once you start getting your cases or whatever, you bring people on. But when you, when did you say I need to start hiring people? Right, so I know you said, how many, how many people you say on the team now? It's, including me, it's four. Okay, so I, well, what what it like when you started hiring? So
2: hiring is scary because you got to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me see. But you need help. they that right? Um, you need help. <laughs> <laughs> you need help because you can't do it on your own. When you got 200 plus people you're dealing with, there's no way you could do it on your own. You need at least one person to help you out. Right. Now, this is what happened. I knew I needed to hire people when the work started. I started doing work like, man, I got a lot done. Then I'm looking at the pile, and it's more work. Oof. And I said, you know what? I need help. So I started hiring some people here and there, 1099s, but they didn't really work out. And then I hired a, I hired an associate attorney, and she did really well. Um, she no longer works for me anymore. And then what happened was last summer, summer before last, so summer of 22, uh, I just did a clean sweep. I said, mm-hmm. okay, um, we're going to start all over again. I did a, I hired a paralegal. Shout out to Mertine. That's my paralegal. Um, one of the greatest paralegals ever. And then I hired a case manager right after that, Julian. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I got help now. Mm-hmm. I got somebody who can help me do briefs, motions, paperwork when I'm in court, and I ain't got to run to the office and do it. I can just I know it's done I see it in my email I can approve it You can send it And then um, Last summer It was crazy Last summer I had got An email from um, From London And uh, I think she had inquired about Doing an internship with me And I think she sent me an email Years prior And I didn't remember that But she did send me an email Years prior And I said I'm not gonna You're not gonna intern I'm gonna just hire you And I hired her my legal sister, mm. and the internet went crazy. You know, I ain't knew she knew all these people. You know, because when I posted and said, "Look, London, welcome to the firm," big line, big line. I'm like, "Hey, oh, you a celebrity or something? You know, I'm like, I don't know who I hired, but
1: you know a lot of people. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm talking about. You just supported him.
2: Yeah. So uh, and 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 then we 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 hired a uh, we had to get an intake specialist and all that. So, man, what when you get help, it has to be smart help, okay? Because you'll throw your money away, man. And payroll kills a lot of businesses. And so we just hired another associate attorney. Oh, associate attorney. Um, about three about three weeks ago. Um, and he's doing pretty good. Uh, named Pierce Goodbread So we just hired him And I don't want to be a big firm Right This is probably as big as it's going to get But I always say That you can do good work You don't need A bunch of people To do good work um,
0: I'm the same way as you You
2: know it, 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 You don't need It's like 8 versus 80 Right Yep um, So 8 people can do a great job And get work out very clean Then you got 80 people You got to deal with You got to deal with Different attitudes You got to deal with Different work ethics You got to deal with Write ups And you got to hire HR department I'm not doing that This is about the biggest It's going to get Any bigger than this Then you know It,
0: it probably ain't going to work At this <laughs> at this size that you guys are at Like what what do you look to I, I mean To produce I'm not saying like net How much you making And everything like that But what do you expect Because I mean When we put money in We expect to get something out It's a number that we want to hit Just as entrepreneurs And you working for yourself So Entrepreneurship podcast. I mean, we looking for millions. For millions. This you know, was we, a runabout.
1: We, we talking about. So, we talking about seven. Like, we so you got four? Seven, We talking about seven figures or eight figures.
0: Both. Both. You know. I got I, you. Right I, now. What? Right now. I guess at the, at the peak. Like, what what you what you looking at with like? Not net, not profit, but um, what you looking at revenue wise?
2: Well, I don't really talk about revenue because oh you know, goodness, like, I need to hear yeah, give me yeah. roundabout.
0: No, I can't do that either.
2: <laughs> um, but I will tell you that you know, I'm like, you know, Tiger Woods said you know, all the money he got. He said, you know, I'm looking to reach 10 billion or 100 billion, and I'm like 100, 100, 100 billion. billion. Yeah, I'm like hey, that's, that's crazy. But as as astronomical and crazy as it might be, he's still reaching for a goal, you right. know, a goal that he thinks he may obtain one day. And so my thing is, is money ain't everything, right? Don't right. get me wrong. It's not everything, but it helps out a lot when you have it. Uh, and so what I look at is, I look at prior years. What did we do last year? How can we expound on that to make this year better? And when I look at last year, we had a great year. I mean, we we, we settled one case for $5.5 million. Um, we had another case for $1.5 million um and we 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 had some big criminal cases that we had as well so it's like what can we do to 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 say okay we got stepping stones now let's get even bigger right can we get 10 can we get 20 can we get 40 can we get 50 and then you know at some point it's like can we get to Willie gary can we have a jet outside you know <laughs> or something like <laughs> that so uh, i think that i think we, and and this is just me Talking about solo firms, small firms. I think the big thing about small firms is is that a lot of people understand this in the legal field. But I want people to understand this out there is that most small firms are not operating on, you know, million, almost billion dollar budgets. They're just not doing it. Right. Uh, But the small firms you get that family feel and a lot of them pack a huge punch when you come to court because they're so dedicated to proving themselves over and over and over it's not like the big name firm that they don't have to do that because their name is everywhere right you know uh this guy over here is he's going to come to your house call you text you whatever because he wants to prove himself and if he proves himself to you you're going to tell your auntie your auntie go tell her friends friends going to tell her and that's how the Roll the rolling ball starts. So. so
1: so these people they're pulling out like millions of dollars out of their pocket just to be represented and upheld in court?
2: No, I mean you gotta understand, like I don't know what lawyers charge their clients, okay? Mm-hmm. Some lawyers on murder kit, let's say a murder case, a lawyer might charge a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Some lawyer might charge four hundred. I don't know what lawyers charge because I don't get into that. Right. I know what I charge, and I don't. I don't pocket watch. Right. Do that's not that's that's that, from the streets that I learned, but I don't do that anyway. Uh, but the, when you see big hitters like five million, one million, most of those come from personal injury cases. Personal. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot that you know I don't want to get into, but typically if there's a, a a good case with injury, surgery, whatever it might be. And the insurance company said, look, we're not going to pay y'all nothing. Well, we pay y'all nothing.
1: Yeah, Mr. And Mr. then Mr.
2: you file a lawsuit and you start litigating. The, 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 the good and the bad part about it is most plaintiffs don't want to wait five or six years for money. Yep. So if they throw a dollar at somebody, they might take it because they never seen anything like that before. But then if you can tell the plaintiff, look, I think we could get more if we do X. And we do X, and, and again, more, they wait that year or two or whatever it might have been from when they would have took a way lesser amount. So when you see amounts like that, usually it was some personal injury case or some very egregious case where a lawyer, you know, got a big, big sum out of it.
1: Okay, and I know we've been here for a minute, yep. but... I wanna to touch on one more thing.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I
1: knew Y S L Young Thug Trial.
0: <laughs> we Absolutely. in Atlanta. We had to talk
1: about it. We gotta talk about cuz I wanna know what my boy doing. I wanna know if some more music is dropping or we gonna right. gotta wait for it. So how do you think like what do you think Young Thug's at and what do you think like his chances are of possibly getting like a small term or like do you think he'll he'll get the book thrown at him or do you think he'll but what's going on it with that case? It
2: well, I'll tell you like this he got one of the greatest lawyers that ever graced his so? earth. Yeah, Brian's still one of the greatest lawyers ever. Um, Brian is a legal surgeon when it comes to the law. Mm. He has he is responsible for multiple laws in Georgia being changed because of him alone. Wow. He has gotten multiple cases overturned in the Court of Appeals. He has won Appeals. multiple murder trials, mm. rape trials. I mean, this guy, I, I had an opportunity to work with him on a case. Mm. And we got a guy who was convicted of murder at the age of 17 and 03. We got his murder conviction tossed, me and Brian did. And I saw the how he navigated and wh- how he did that. And, I'm, and, and how he worked it and how, you know, he was showing me things. And, you know, obviously I was working it too. But I'm just going, wow, this dude had no possible way of getting out of prison.
1: Brian don't be going for it. And,
2: and Brian, <laughs> you know, he, he, he found a way. And I'm like, and we got him out. It, it was, it was matchful. So Young Thug has one of the best lawyers in the country, all right? Mm. But here's the thing. They're trying to say that YSL is a big RICO organization, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big organization that basically we're committing crimes here, 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 and here at the direction of certain people, with obviously the head being, no yeah, the um, exactly. And so, what the way I look at it is, is that I think that there's an uphill battle on both sides. Obviously, There's a lot of witnesses, a lot of evidence, yeah. Uh, But I don't do arbitrary numbers. Right. I don't do arbitrary statements like you got a 50% chance or I'll give you what I said in the beginning. You do the work and let the chips fall where they may. And Fani, who is the elected district attorney of Fulton County, she's done what she needs to do to try to put on the best uh, prosecution they can for this case. And you have multiple defense attorneys uh, Keriton Matthews, Brian Steele, I think Steve Sadows in it, who is who who are doing the best they can mm. to defend their clients, uh, in this huge trial. They may be in trials of 2025, it, yeah, it's crazy. It
1: was like at least a year or something, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it's crazy, and I'm glad I'm not a part of it uh, because so that's a long up, time to be in trial. They're
1: putting up big dollars for this, like, a year trial. How much do you got to
2: pay? I, I, have, I have no idea. You know, I, charge, I don't, it's I don't, Every lawyer, right? I, I don't know what the, the lawyers charge. I, I don't.
1: Ten.
2: I, I, I don't know. One. I, I, I have no idea. Five. You got to ask them. Ten. You got to ask ten. them.
1: I think, it's, I think it's ten. 10. So, at least ten guys.
2: I wouldn't know. <laughs> would know. I wouldn't know because
0: I'm not in the trial. But
2: if I were, they would have to pay me a hefty amount. You know? Hefty amount. And, <laughs> a, yeah,
1: for
0: sure. And I mean, you, 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 they have to pay you a hefty amount. But you, you're a great lawyer. But Brian Steele, Brian Steele how much? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean he. Right, a, I do
1: no, know Be real. Ten.
0: I don't know. Ten. I, I Come on, twin. Twin edge. <laughs> I thought no want seen
1: himself. You know what's crazy? So I can tell lawyer
0: because we know we, we get people out here all the time and we be squeezing the numbers out of them. He like, I'm not speaking nothing. He yeah.
1: saying, No, I got a guy. He wants 10, but Brian still probably want like 15, 20. So Young Thug probably gonna be in debt the time he get out. <laughs> he probably, <laughs> he, try, he, he he probably gonna drop like two I don't think the label, I don't think the label, the label not it. gonna mess with it, but hey.
0: It's all good
1: though. He's gonna be a dick when he
0: get
2: out. He gonna be dropping Y'all never heard me say that. So. Never heard me say
0: anything. Yeah, he ain't say that. Stay they stay out of came, They came from all. Like, our take ideas. us out of here. Take man. us out All right, man. Look, well, it's not. We've probably been here for a little while. Just a little while. Not too long. But we do drop these episodes at the beginning of the week. So we drop this episode at the beginning of the week on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Make sure you guys are looking out for it. We want to leave our audience with something they can go implement this week to become better, right? We call it give them something, right? So I want you to give them some game they can go implement this week to better themselves, whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, or spiritually. Now, before we do that, I had a question. You work a lot. I just know you do. <laughs> and you married. How, y'all, yeah, how you all navigate that? Uh, like, and, 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 and what type of wife you got to have to say, you know what? She's going to she sit around for it. I mean, at the end of the day...
2: To the day, the entrepreneur, you gotta be tough. You gotta understand that it's not a nine to five. It may be a nine to nine, it may be a six a.m. to midnight. Uh, but at the same time, it all balances out. So yeah, at the end of the day, communication is key. You're making sure you're telling, you know, the person what's going on, this and the third. But
0: otherwise, I, I don't have no issues. That's crazy. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Because, you know, most people just can't, like, like, people just can't, versus women, they can't stomach that because they feel like you're not there for them in some type of way, aspect. So it's hard for them to understand why you work the way you work. Well, and, and I would say that, you
2: know, just like when, after I stopped being homeless, right? Right. So the way that happened was, was that I went to Seven Springs Apartments, they gave me an apartment, even though they weren't supposed to, they gave me an apartment Two days prior to me moving in, so I could have a place to stay, because I told him my story, gave him money, everything was great. But the lady, talking about understanding, the lady was like, um, I understand where you're coming from, I understand your story, and I see you working hard. And she was like, some woman gonna be blessed one day to have a hardworking man like you, you know. And I'm thinking in my head, now that you say understand, is like that's the type of woman that an entrepreneur really needs, because if you don't understand, that that man or that woman, you know, if you're the husband, that woman may need to go to Colorado for three, four days to make a half a million dollars or you insecure within yourself and you can't let them go for 12, 13 hours, something like that. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem and it's not going to work. So I tell anybody, if you want to date an entrepreneur, know what you're getting into. And make sure they're actually entrepreneurs. Because some people say they're entrepreneurs and they're really not. Right. Uh they just be out hanging out and doing nothing. Like I I I grind daily. So at the end of the day, the communication is key. Once communication is there, everything else is fine. It's just when they don't understand and when the communication is not there, then the mind starts wondering. And when the mind wonders. You already know what happens
0: Yeah so. for sure It's just hard to get people to, Get them to understand though Because sometimes They just come from Different backgrounds They don't understand Why you're doing the way, what you do I don't know what you tell your, Yours to, to tell them, to Your wife to Let her know like Hey this is what I'm doing But I just don't know How to make people Understand that And sometimes They just not may not Be able to Now back to it We want you to give them Some game They could go implement This week to become better Right it's Tuesday Just give them some game They could go implement Right now You're going to look Into that camera right there
2: Alright So this is free game right here. You know, earlier I said advice may be misleading and examples are always clear. I also want to say it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're nice to others, good things will come back to you. Have a good heart. Love others. Do well and do good. And most importantly, work hard. Persevere through the dark times. There'll be a light at the end of the tunnel. You will be very happy at the end. You didn't give up. You didn't go by the wayside. You didn't say, I'm not going to do it anymore. And if you ever, ever, ever feel that way, look at me as an example of something that you can do. If you put your mind to it and work hard, you could be successful and make a lot of money. I ain't got a lot
0: of money, but I'm
2: going to get a lot of money one day.
0: (laughs) Hey, man, y'all heard it here, man. Guys, you can hear what he said. It's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And a lot of people don't understand that's why relationships just the most important thing. And he said, you know, Brian still. And he said he make a lot wife. of money. Goddamn. <laughs> guys, look, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys. Well, first of all, where can they find you at? Where, where Instagram. Maybe they need to hit you up because they may be some criminals. I, I don't know. Or just to make sense. <laughs> maybe a personal injury happened or something, right? So I just let us know. I'm not condoning anybody to go out and commit crimes, <laughs> however should you need me. Uh, my
2: email is Andre at AJSmithLawFirm.com. My website is www.AJSmithLawFirm.com. Attorney Andre J. Smith on Instagram. Uh, the same on Facebook. We also have a, a law firm Instagram, the law firm Andre J. Smith, Uh And we have a TikTok as well, Attorney Andre J. Smith. So you can find me on all those platforms. Of course, you can call me, 770-615-8853. You can also call me on my Florida line, 407-758-6130. We do criminal defense. We do personal injury. And if you
0: hire us, we'll fight for you. That's it. Man, make sure you guys hit him up. If I have anything up, personal injury or something like that, I know who I'm calling. (laughs) I know exactly who I'm calling. And I'm going to send y'all to him. So, don't, if you call and you're trying to say, hey, who I go to, I'm just seeing Andre Smith. Simple. Don't call me, just call him, right? Okay, yeah, look make sure you guys like like comment and subscribe i hope you guys got something out of this because there's a lot of game drop especially behind the legal system because a lot of us don't even know that much about it and especially about starting a law firm or anything like that so hope you guys really enjoyed it leave fire in the chat if you really did and don't forget to go ahead and join the community and if you're on apple music i mean not apple music but you on uh, youtube and go over to our apple podcast spotify google podcast say something like nice, leave us five stars move us up those charts and follow uh on so Instagram at underscore on the porch. Follow me on Instagram at underscore Mr. Dotmind said BJ, what can they find you at?
1: I can go find me at underscore BJ Real Man. But most importantly, go like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast at underscore on the porch. We're not hard to find, guys. We're on every platform. And before we leave here, guys, is it free on Thug or Lock him up. Free my man, man. I know he... do it? I don't, Andre do not want to speak <laughs> out of it. He can't
2: speak on too much. Yeah, I, can, I can't speak on it too much, but uh, man, but I know guys, he didn't man. did a lot of stuff to live this here lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, he he's his this to live <laughs> this exactly live
0: lifestyle. Music. Hey, we out. Peace.
1: Peace. No. <laughs> right. Shut up, Chase.